This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Damn these it happens every night. Almost every night, yeah. And yeah. I ain't never met a riverboat dealer that could ever be a friend of mine. I have not. Summer heat never treats me kind. Or a lawyer. <laughs> so I'm bidding farewell, putting in my notice, and I'll see you at another time. Sing it. This highway, what does not know my name, and I don't care. No. Right to the hook, right here. Just a white line gypsy getting out of Mississippi with just enough gas to keep there. budget live, not so live from the very cold low budget live barn grill here in southern middle Tennessee. We had that some some very warm weather. For a few weeks, then the MPFL comes to town, ruins everything <laughs> in the Tennessee Valley here, and then uh, get back from Wisconsin, and it's like 17 degrees below a cat's butt, as my granddad used to say, and I think it feels like 12 outside today, and I'm not okay with that, but this is the podcast for March the 20th, and we don't have time, ladies and gentlemen, we do not have time to talk about the weather because, because... <laughs> It is the Bassmaster Classic Week. This is the podcast for Monday, March the 20th, and we are there. It is the week. It is the week that we all wait for. So I get zero sleep. I will not have a voice. I'll be stressed, but I'll also have a lot of damn fun with you. Knoxville, Tennessee, this week, it all goes down. This is your last reminder. We are going to do a live, 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 two different times. 
once in the express boats booth at 1 p.m. there in the classic expo all set up on an express boat we're gonna have a lot of guests revolving door of guests who knows what all is going to happen there just to be honest and then it's going to be a great time like it always is a lot of giveaways there and then Saturday night, the Hill Bar and Grill, March 25th, Saturday night, 7, 8-ish. Lots of special guests. Myself, Shannon Wheeler, we're going we're gonna to hang with you low-lifers. We're going to give some stuff away. I'm hearing there could be some LOB jigs given away from the folks at Baitworks. There's going to be the W sauce. There's going to be a lot of things going on there. It's a tailgate throwdown parking lot party there at the Hill. Keep up with my social media, Facebook and Instagram this week for all the the up-to-the-minute updates. And if you're at the show, I'll be at the TH Marine booth. I'll be at the Garmin booth. I will be at the Express booth. I will be all over the place, primarily TH. I'll primarily be posted up at TH like always. But uh, come see us there, Bassmaster Classic. It's going to be a great, great week. Cannot wait to see all you low lifers there. But tell everybody, man, we're wanting this one to be the biggest one yet, the – Dallas version, the Fort Worth version, and the Birmingham versions of the Low Budget Live Live Lives were amazing. Had a great time at the Greenville Classic last year in the Express booth. More of the same this year to be expected. All right. It's good to be back in the bar and grill, man. Be honest, uh, I hate air travel, and I got to share this with you. I know a lot of y'all come here for the fish and takes and whatever. Y'all know I share, share my life with you as well. We're, you know, 200-plus episodes deep into this little little fishing podcast that could and so much fun for me to get to share my life with you and it's and it's cathartic it's it's therapeutic to get to do that so mpfl this week at pickwick congrats to brandon perkins on that we'll get more into that later but huge win wire to wire on his home pond book in 24 pound bags my home lake as well that i i've enjoyed my whole life 40 minutes from the house and i had to go to wisconsin to commentate it okay it's just the situation we're in. Bass does it that way. MLF does it that way. Nobody nobody broadcasts from the event anymore. Cost, quality, lots of different reasons, right? Lots of different reasons. So I had to go to Wisconsin. And we've added this new weigh-in show, which if you missed it, great time with Fat Cat. We'll probably get fired over it sometime. It's kind of an uncensored, we bull crap about the weigh-in in the background. And great time, man. Great time. But with that, normally the second we're done, I, I'm done. The second the, the live broadcast cuts, I'm I'm trying to get back home to the triple threat and the kids. But with this, I had to stay a little extra. No big deal, no harm, no foul. But airline travel sucks. And and it's twelve hours from my driveway up to where we we're we're in Appleton, Wisconsin, where our studio's at. Real cool town. Love I love spending time up there, other than their weather this time of year. And I typically fly into Milwaukee and have to drive up. It's like an hour and 40. I rent a car and go up. It's not an easy place to get to. There is an airport in Appleton, but you'd be better off riding a horse and buggy than trying to get there sometimes with the flight schedules and things around my life, right, around my schedule. So I flew up southwest direct. There was a zero chance of getting to do that coming back home. So I uh, I flew Delta coming back, which I hate. I don't like Delta. I don't like American. I don't like I, and and Southwest can kiss my ass too. A lot of times, air air travel sucks. It, I've had so many messages in the last couple of days about this. Y'all know, man. If you travel, if you if you they just treat you like garbage. You pay hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars, and then it's like they should pay us for air travel at this point. And if any other business in the United States ran like the airlines run, they'd just be shut down. They would not be in business. So anyways, uh, I flew Southwest up there, 
But my thing with Southwest out of Nashville is I get a lot of direct flights, right? I don't have a lot of connections. So I know if I get on this damn plane, I'm going to where I'm going. You know, I hate connecting. I hate connecting through Atlanta, Chicago, whatever the case is. I hate it. My whole career. 20 years of air travel, just hate it. So I had to go Delta, coming home. Early morning flight, like a 7 a.m., but I had to be there at 5, you know, whatever. Turn in the rental car. And we get on the plane at like 6.50. Milwaukee, Wisconsin now. Keep this in mind, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's cold. It's like 10 degrees with a wind chill below zero up there. And they they heard us on the plane. We get on there. We're ready to go. And, and, and I'm supposed to be back in Nashville by like 11 a.m. So at 7, like it's a quick turnaround, quick, quick layover. You know, not too bad if everything goes well. We're sitting there and the plane ain't moving. I mean, they've already closed the door. And I got a flight attendant next to me. I'm in the exit row and she's sitting next to me, which for her was not the best place to be with what was about to happen. So we're sitting there and everybody's kind of, you know, buckled up and we're, we're, and we've been there like 10 minutes past the takeoff time and then 20 and 30 and the plane ain't going over. I'm like, what the hell's happening? We ain't rolling. We ain't moving. We ain't doing nothing. We're still sitting at the gate. This is your captain speaking. And, uh, ladies and gentlemen, it seems this plane sat here in the cold in Wisconsin. And one of the engines won't crank up this morning. So, uh, we didn't, we didn't, uh, try that before you mother got on the plane. But, uh, now that you're all on here, we're trying to start this thing up and, uh, Having a little bit of trouble. We'll trip back with you uh, shortly. Four hours on the runway. Four hours on the runway. Four. Four. Now, they finally get this bad boy cranked up. I, I'm assuming some old boy was on there with a hairdryer. But first of all, it's always cold in Wisconsin other than like three months out of the year. This is the first. I'm watching other planes out my window just like, duh, 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 duh. they're just going, man. They're flying. And I'm like, I'm on the one plane that the cold affected because somebody's daddy didn't go out there and start the plane before school. You know how your dad used to go start your cars? Mine would sometimes. Hey, I started your truck for you when he was in a good mood. And... Nobody did that. So the plane, the plane won't work. The plane's broken. Well, then they get the plane working. Well, some people, very much like myself, they were missing their connections. I missed, I missed two connections sitting there. Uh, I rebooked myself on a connection. I missed, I missed both shots I had at getting back to Nashville. And so people just start, we're still at the gate, and they're like, you know what? They're grabbing their bags, and they're leaving. And I don't blame them. They're leaving. They're pissed off. You know, F- you, Delta, like causing a scene, right? Everybody's been up early. People are pissed off. They got their families with them. So there's like eight or ten people just storm off with their bags. Well, hey, man, I get it. See y'all. And we're all kind of just becoming one unit on the plane. We ain't been allowed to get up. We're just holding us hostage. So finally, we start backing up. I close the doors. My little flight attendant friend says, What's well, so, up, man? We're getting out of here. We're fist bumping. I'm trying to get free liquor from her. It's good. And it's early. Don't judge me. I was there mentally and we start, we're backing up and all of a sudden it says, boop, and then you hear, boom. So I watched my, my flight attendant friend pick up this little side phone. Yeah. Yeah. And she's whispering. I'm like, well, that don't sound good. And you know me, I'm loud. Right. And she goes, it's not. And they have to come on in. I quote to count the passengers, get another passenger count because people left and didn't tell them this is America. 
Okay? This is America. If you want to get off the crappy plane that you're being forced to stay on, you should be able to do that without telling anybody. And then the rest of us can just go on about our merry freaking way. But that wasn't what happened. So they come back on this process. It's like duck, duck, goose. Okay? It takes forever. One, two. This lady with her little clipboard. Everybody hated her. She's probably a nice lady. Everybody hated her. Everybody was wishing terrible things on her. She takes forever. She finally gets off the plane. Dude, I'm talking about like over 30 minutes. She's on the plane. I think she was asking people where they were from. I don't know. I don't know. She finally leaves. This is, and by the way, this is like three hours into this process, okay? All this happens. So you got people pissed off. Then the pop. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we got the, uh, we got the head count down. We got the engine issue solved on this plane that's uh, going to fly far above the earth. And you pray you get to see your families again. With, uh, you know, we told you earlier that the uh, two engines that we had, only one would work. But now both are functional, so no worries. No worries. Just sit back there and pray that you don't uh, end up being a fiery ball on the ground later today. But I uh, just want to let you know, uh, we've sat here so long we're out of gas. Out of gas. And it ain't like pulling up at the at the quick trip. You know, you can't just... So that takes... Dude, we sat there for four hours and 15 minutes on the runway before we could leave. But I do want to give a shout out to my flight attendant because she gave me vodka and cookies. She said I could have anything I wanted. I said I want some vodka and orange juice and I want a cookie. And that's what I got. <laughs> so we were good by the time we got to Atlanta. And then I had to run to the next one. And I finally got home. And time, I got to watch Tennessee go big orange. I got to watch them volunteers beat Duke, one of the blue bloods. Got to watch that go down, some of that March Madness on the plane. Got to watch the first half. And I got to listen to the second half on the way home. So it all timed out fine. But airline travel sucks. They gave me a $15 meal voucher. Yay. And then they gave me, uh, I got an email last night. A $75 credit. It should never be uh, acceptable to this big, finely typed email. Looked like Joe Durham wrote it. Uh, to go to the gate, not once, but go back twice. It was actually three times. But anyways, $75 credit. That'll basically, that won't even pay for my damn bags on a Delta flight. So, uh, you know, thank you, Delta. So any, uh, you thought I was sure that with y'all. I thought it was, it's, you know, it gets to a certain point you just laugh. It was just, you just, you just laugh at some point, but, uh, the flight attendant, I was giving her all she could handle <laughs> me and another smart ass redneck across the aisles trying to get back to Atlanta. We were, uh, we were all at bad. It was a, it was a good time, but, uh, who glad to be home, man. I hate air travel. Gosh, I hate it. And I normally drive. I've driven up there to the studio a few times, but man, life's so busy that the convenience of being able to get there in a couple hours normally is is just better. You know, the direct flight from Nashville up there is like an hour and a half. I'm there, boom, we're in a car, boom. But it's uh it's man, air travel these days. Pain in the butt. Like I said, if they if every any other company operated like that, they'd be out of business. All right. Speaking of companies that do it right, they do it right for so many reasons, but mainly they do it right because they are supporters of this program the low budget live podcast and we're going to start with startron starbright kicking ethanol in the teeth that good old startron enzyme powered fuel treatment ethanol is bad man 10 percent of that gas 
that, that gas that you get at the pump, they got the stickers warning you because it's crappy for your engine. If it sets up over time, for sure, keep a bottle of this with you. You can get it a lot of places, a lot of places, a lot of auto parts stores, Walmarts, Bass Pro Shops, things like that, StarTron. It will kick ethanol in the teeth. If you're going to store your bass boat for long periods of time, put it in there. But I actually run ethanol, ethanol, I don't run ethanol-free fuel, I should say. It's too expensive. I'm a cheapskate. I just put the, the goods in there, the regular 087, and drop me some StarTron in there. It takes care of the problem every single time. I have a lot of cleaning products with Starbright, and they will be at the Bassmaster Classic as well. Go see those folks there. StarTron kicking ethanol in the teeth. Pro Guide Batteries, they'll have a set up there. You can go see all the Pro Guide Lithium line up there. If you haven't already, on ProGuyBatteries.com and use your code LBL10 to save you some cash and tell them you're a low lifer. But they'll have the whole set up there. You'll get to see the new cranking battery they're releasing. Go check them out at Pro Guide Batteries there at the Classic or ProGuyBatteries.com. Last week, something I didn't mention, my boys and I, we got to go down just for like a day and a half to Smith Lake in the cold and smash on them on an LOB jig and smash on them in the express and uh it was a, it was a good time but we didn't get to charge our batteries and fished in the wind we, we stayed at a hotel long story but but anyways i'm just always impressed man whether it's the and i'm still running the agm cranking battery have not got my new lithium put in yet i just haven't had the time to install it uh but those lithium trolling motor batteries, like i'm just blown away and the wind ripped 20 to 25 both days we were there day and a half on the water probably but man we were we were in it and uh i'm just I'm just always impressed just every single time putting them to the test they they hold up so pro guy batteries happy to represent that crew there for sure baitworks.com bait-works.com the official retailer tackle retailer of the mpfl now it's pretty fun getting to talk about the folks from baitworks you tell me all the time all you low lifers that use baitworks hey Man, they get it to you quick, and they do. That's always my joke is if you're trying to wait on your wife to go out of town and you're trying to plan it out, you better not hit order because they're liable to just show up and knock on the door and hand it to you right when you hit submit order on that Baitworks website. They got the LOB jig and an exciting announcement. I'm not even sure by the time you're hearing this if they've publicly announced it, but they will be. They will have a a smaller booth than normal. They had a 40 by 40 there at Redcrest. So many of you reached out to me that got some LOBs at Redcrest, but they will have a 10 by 10 booth at the Bassmaster Classic where you can buy the LOB jig. I keep getting questions. Will it be at the Classic? Will it be at the Classic? Yes, it will be. The LOB jig. And listen, man, not to toot my own horn, but beep beep uh it wasn't really horn blow but it works that jig is bit dude it gets bit it sticks them i'm so proud of it man i got to hammer some big spots on it last week if i was fishing the smith lake toyota series i promise you i would have some (laughs) i would have some in the boat but comes through rock so well comes through brush but uh but they bite it man it is uh it's really cool to design something work with good people like that and then it'd be uh you know then it'd be a fish catcher it's it's really cool and i've got some you know legitimate anglers that are that are uh that have ordered some and are reaching out to me like dude this jig comes through brush better than anything i've ever thrown like it's really cool so thank y'all to everybody that's uh picked up some lobs so far you can use code duncan-10 at bait-works to get you some discounts right there and last but not least hang the banner Bassmaster Classic winning banner. That's right. The Express X21 Pro 
going to be there at the Bassmaster Classic. They got a full booth for you to come sit. You can pretend like you're driving like a child. Nobody's going to judge you, including myself. I may be doing it as well. But you can come check out everything there at the Classic. We're going to do a podcast there at 1 p.m. But I, I just I say it all the time. Every time I get in the boat, I'm just blown away by it. I love it. Stable fishing platform. Like all the questions you get is aluminum. Is it stable? Yes, it's stable. 96-inch beam. When people get to walking around, you don't feel that. Hole shot. I get asked about rough water. I get asked about top end speed. I get at, It's a premium fishing platform. Trust me, all-welded, high-performance aluminum bass boat they've been building since 1966 out there in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And they say, we build excitement, and they do. Be sure to come check us out. The Bassmaster Classics Express Boats, building excitement since 1966. All right? Whew. That was a fun intro. It was a long intro. But I got to tell you, I got to tell you all the goings on in my life. I know some of y'all like to fast forward and whatnot, but I like to... I'd like to tell you, if you didn't hear vodka and cookies today, if you didn't hear that, you wouldn't even know, you wouldn't even know what to do with your Monday. You just would not. So last week, last week I started to show with this and, and we've got a follow-up. So I want to, we got a lot of follow-up on this one. And I want to, I want to, before we get to our dear guest here today, I want to, I want to talk about this just a little bit because it's got to be talked about. It's got to be talked about. It deserves to be talked about. It deserves to be talked about more than it's probably going to get talked about. Uh, for, you know, uh, there are a lot of people in the fishing industry that won't touch this for one reason or another. Uh, I think, I think the reasons probably go, you know, without saying, uh, especially with the crazy that's been involved with this. But I started last week by saying, if you want to be a pro, you better call Joe. And now I'm like, you set him up, Joe, and fed him right to the wolves. If you like Vern Gosden at all. Set him up, Joe, and fed him right to the wolves. So I can't get that low this morning. My bad. But uh, this deal is so crazy, man. Tucker Smith, Bass announced. Here, I'm going to pull up the uh, the press release here, which, by the way, very hard to find on their website. Hank's my boy. I love the folks at Bass. This thing's buried. They did send out a press release. It was on Angler's Channel. Wired to Fish left it up for five minutes and then deleted it, but then did leave up his statement once he released his his Tucker released his statement that he that he definitely made uh his statement and uh they left it up but on Bass's website you gotta go all the way to the opens page to find it it wasn't front and center and and, and here's where I take issue with this y'all know I, Trace Wendell's my guy Trace Wendell's good kid does things the right way and uh and and was DQ'd over the the insurance deal you know cost him a trip to Bassmaster Classic uh potentially it was his fault, his fault. He stood there, took it like a man. Uh, but like, you know, you had Hank Weldon making videos about that with explanations and you had articles and, and things. And with this, it's just not that, it's just not the case. And I think we, we, we know why, you know, I think it goes without saying why you got a lawyer sniffing around this, trying to get attention. You got a lawyer threatening people and acting like a maniac, like he did on the water, uh, allegedly, right. <laughs> allegedly, uh, and like I said last week, he's an alleged, allegedly he's an asshole, and I, and I can confirm that even further this week. I can confirm it personally because uh, he, he is something else. He is something else. But Bass has uh, – they, they only DQ'd – I have an issue with this as well, but they only DQ'd Tucker's day two. Now, granted, that was when the issue took place and all that, but I think he should have been disqualified for the entire event. I do. 
He's staying at this guy's house. This happens on day two. The guy in the video uh, very clearly says, I've been running off people all day. Like, there are things that, that lead your mind to go, well, was he doing this on day one? How's this? I mean, you know what I'm saying. And that's speculation, total speculation. But I just I don't like the ruling. It's only day two, which now means if Tucker were to win one of the other tournaments, he gets to go to the Bassmaster Classic. And I'm sorry, this year he should not. Even if he wins the next 50 tournaments in a row, Tucker's a good angler. This thing stinks. It smells like a skunk, period, end of story. Uh, it's been blown up. And you can tell people don't buy it. You can tell people don't buy it, man, from the comments. And, uh, and, and, and look, like I said last week, been around Tucker a few times. think he's a nice young man. Uh, he's learning a valuable lesson. Uh, I hope the main lesson is you better be careful who you rub elbows with. You better be careful. His statement was, you know, statement that was very uh, professionally written. Uh, you know, it looked like a LeBron James PR team was sending something out in his bass fishing. Give me a break, man. Make a video. Uh, own up to it. Do it yourself. It was very, in my opinion, it was not written by Tucker. It wasn't. Uh, and I think everybody agrees with that for the most part. But but here we go. Bass officials announced today, this is the press release, that after an extensive investigation and appeals process, and it was, it was, I know a lot of folks close to this, Tucker Smith's day two catch from uh, the St. Croix Bassmaster Open at Lake Eufaula has been upheld. Smith finished the event in seventh place, which takes him out of check range, gets somebody else paid up that deserved it. Uh, but it says the disqualification, this is where it kind of gets fuzzy, the disqualification was handed down based on the violation of the Angler Code of Conduct, Section 7 of the Bassmaster Open Series rules, which lists among the examples of unacceptable behavior by competitors in bass events, and in quotes, interfering with a fellow angler's ability to compete. Now, Tucker's statement says there was no hole sitting involved. Okay, maybe not. Uh, but, and, and Tucker's statement also says, oh, I had no idea, you know, this, this man did this, and however it read, I'm, I don't have it right here in front of me because I, I laughed when I read it, but, uh, but here, here's where Tucker's not innocent. And a lot of people are saying, man, he's a kid and he is, he's a kid. And maybe he did not know his buddy was going to be all up in his business, uh, on this, on this spot. Uh, and damn sure wouldn't be caught on camera. Right. Uh, but here's, here's my issue with Tucker. I think this is a lot of people's issue with Tucker. Tucker knew this happened. He knew one of his fellow competitors that's right there in that same age range as him was harassed by this piece of garbage. He knows that. He knows that. He watched it. In the video, he's over his shoulder. Okay? He watched all that. He didn't bring that up to anybody. He didn't bring that up to Bass. And he posts that night, 26-pound comeback on you, fall life is good. He was okay with it until the smoke started rising. And this thing called legs, okay? Then he gets disqualified. Now he's got to release a statement. So that's where Tucker is in the wrong here. Regardless of what happened on the water, that's where Tucker is in the wrong. Because he could have at any point went to Hank Weldon and said, hey, man, some things happened out there today. And to my knowledge, this did not happen. Maybe it did. To my knowledge, and I know a lot of things, Joe, uh, didn't happen, okay? Didn't happen. And 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 the way this has snowballed and why I say, you set him up, Joe, and fed him right to the wolves, uh, is because this dumbass, this lawyer, comes out after being on camera 
Monday following the event and releases a, I have never, I would never whole sit video. I've known this young man. I consider him like family. I will swiftly prosecute anyone that shares this video through discovery. And if you've ever hired me, I am a, I am a, oh boy, I'm a litigator. I am the litigator, Joe Durham. With some cool sunglasses sitting on a park bench. I'm paraphrasing. But he posted a video, and now the video's gone. I still got it. But the video's gone. A lot of people have it. But but he does this video response to try to protect him. And and then Joe, this past week, decided, after I called him an asshole on here, he sends me Facebook messages, which I shared, told me he was disappointed in me. Of course you did not have me on for my side of the story. I am very disappointed in you. Does not surprise me. Which is taking a shot at me like, like Joe Durham knows who I am. Like Ryan Ingram knows me, right? Oh, Joe, did I disappoint you? Did I disappoint you in a week where you were the biggest asshole on camera that maybe we've seen in the fishing industry? I got people from the industry blowing me. Dude, what do you think about this situation? This is one of the craziest things that's ever happened in a professional bass fishing event with some jackass that's not in the tournament but is housing one of the competitors in the top ten. Like, you may release statements, but I'm just going to tell you right now, the stink from this one is going to hang around for a minute, and it should. It should. This one goes against, I mean, it's just so crazy. And then to do it in Aaron Martin's boat, like I said last week, like it's just all a joke. But this guy says, he sends me messages, and then I don't, I, you know, I call him an asshole in my messages. I post that on Facebook. A lot of people join in the phone. But then Joe, he just, like, he keeps on messaging. I said, he keeps on commenting on my Facebook post. I'm like, hey, man, put your phone down. And this was the day the appeal this the appeal was going to happen that afternoon at 2 p.m. I knew that. He's doing all this the morning of, and, like, the ruling's going to be made, and this guy's just digging, and, and he just can't help himself. Then I, then I had someone send me that he said that I did not post our entire conversation. Buddy, I've never talked to this guy in my life. I posted every – he reached out to me. I, yeah, the entire conversation was posted. I posted the entire thing where he called me begging, begging, or where called me, where he messaged me begging. Hang on a second. Let's just read it. We'll just read it. Luke, you do not know me. This is after I called him an asshole. You do not know me. I'll, I'll read the whole thing here. Hang on a second. I got a lot of... Uh... So this is what was sent to me. Disappointing that you would do a podcast and not speak with me. I would rather speak to my ex-wife. I would rather hug a freaking crocodile, stick my hand in a meat grinder than talk to this dude whose actions are very plainly called on video. What a piece of crap he is. He's lying about who he is, lying about knowing Tucker who's right over his shoulder and all that in the video, but he wants to come on here and beat his chest and try to spin it. Like, get out of here, dude. I don't have any patience for that. People want to know my take. I gave my take. You're an asshole. You're still an asshole. You're more of an asshole this week. So, Disappointing that you would do a podcast and not speak with me, but I'm not surprised. Space bar, space bar, space bar. I'm not surprised. Like he knows me. Like he knows anything about me. Uh, truly. Yeah, whatever. I've never even heard of this dude until this, okay? But he's heard of me, and that's that's great. Uh, you know, but I don't get to podunk Georgia courtrooms very often. The fact that this is what I, uh, this is my response. That he's saying I left something out. The fact that you could say you're disappointed in anyone after acting like that on camera 
should be surprising, but here we are, and I'm not surprised at all, Ryan, because he was pretending to be Ryan Ingram on the video. At some point in life, you should try not being a victim and take ownership in the fact that you're truly just an asshole. And that's what I said to him, and I mean that. Because he is he has tried to control this from the jump, and he thought he could intimidate, and he thought he could threaten and make it go away for Tucker, and it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Uh, then the real panic set in, and this is while he's spamming my comments. Luke, this is this was in three hours within three hours of each other, and you could see I, I don't know how well you can see that, but I, I did not respond, and I will not respond. I will respond here, but I'm not going to get in the back and forth with this guy. Luke, you do not know me. You No, we don't. You said you were Ryan Ingram, but now you're Joe Durham Jr. from your messages here. Uh, you do not know me. You know nothing about the type of person I am. You are basing your opinion on a small snapshot. Yeah. 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 You may give puppies mouth to mouth at the local uh, humane society, bud, but uh, the one snapshot I've got of you and the multiple, 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 multiple people that have reached out with encounters of alleged encounters of how you act on the water, coupled with, buddy, you go through those comments, there ain't nobody like, leave Joe alone. He's a great guy. I'm not read one. Your girlfriend got in the comments, but buddy, I see that you fished with Davey Height, James Overstreet, and Dave Mercer from Bassmaster. I've heard that a million times. They ain't coming to your damn defense. Not publicly. I mean, cuz, lay the phone down. Put the shovel down. Stop digging it deeper for Tucker. This The conversation continued with Joe. Have you never made a mistake? Have you never done something you regretted? And I dare say, I have. Uh, I want to say, did Joe regret this before or after he knew it was caught on camera? <laughs> because Tucker didn't regret it. He didn't regret it at all. He's like, 26-pound comeback, what, what? On Instagram. Seventh place, great job, bro. You're the next phenom, blah, blah, blah. In the comments, all of this happened that day. It was multiple days later that the regret came out, <laughs> set in. Like, give me a break, man was born at night, but not last night. How do you know how I feel? Uh, well, read a lot of comments that you've been posting, Joe, and we saw your initial video that you would act swiftly and aggressively to pursue the lit litigate, the one sharing the video that was taken out of context. <laughs> was it? All I'm saying is that you should not make blanket statements based on a singular snippet of time. Well, here's the thing. Uh, I did make a blanket statement, and I stick by that blanket statement on March the 20th that he is an asshole. And then after I didn't respond to that, he says, hey, Luke, can we talk? This man, and I post and said, somebody get their dad out of my DMs. Because here's the thing, like I told him, and he's like, you're scared of me. This doesn't fit your narrative. And narrative for me is a, uh, is a very funny word in this one. Because if anybody knows anything about a narrative, it's Joe. Because Joe was trying desperately to control the narrative to save face, not only for himself and scare people from talking about it, but for Tucker. Period. End of story. Didn't work out for Tucker, and it's not working out for you. Joe, please, please leave social media. Stop commenting on this incident. 
If you're an ambulance chaser, I'm sure there's some coming by the one horse town right now that you live in. Get out of the bass fishing world. You are not relevant other than this moment and other than winning some local tournaments on Ufala. Nobody gives a damn about who you are. You are an asshole. Period. Allegedly an asshole. I have to say that for legal reasons. Allegedly you are an asshole. And the interesting thing, this one article I'm reading, this is BassFan.com right here. BassFan.com. I like this take. Little of the specific evidence that Bass used for the initial DQ ruling or the upholding of it has been made. Now, this is Bass Fan, not me. I like to say that, but this is public. It says, little of the specific evidence that Bass used for the initial DQ ruling or the upholding of it has been made public. And that is very true. They they did not. And there's reasons behind that. They, they you know, they got that, that lawyer flying around. So you got to be careful. At least some of it apparently apparently centers around the actions of one Joe Durham, an Albany, Georgia lawyer, who's a friend of Tucker Smith and has competed in team tournaments with him in the past. Durham was on the water on day two at Ufall and verbally harassed a competitor who fished near Smith, alleging that the competitor was infringing on Smith's waters. Also in the video, alleging that he did not know who Tucker was and that he was Ryan Ingram. Driving a rap boat that appears to be one that formerly belonged to the late Aaron Martins, who rolled over in his grave about this entire situation. Durham profanely berates a competitor believed to be Hugh, and I don't know how to say, I'm going to say Consuela, but that's not it. Hugh's a good young man. I've talked to Hugh. Hugh's daddy's a big attorney in Texas, by the way. Hilarious. Hilarious turn of events. Uh, and there's more to the video. I'd just like to point that out than what we've all seen. Durham threatens to drive in circles around the competitor, then concludes his tirade by falsely claiming to be longtime Ufala tournament ace Ryan Ingram, which was just simply a tip of the cap to Ryan in his uh, lawyer speak video. A couple days following the conclusion of the tournament, Durham posted a seven-minute video to his Facebook page in an effort to explain and or justify his actions, which has since been removed. Some of the people who distributed the Only Water video on their social media channels have claimed that Durham has threatened to sue them for defamation because the clip does include, doesn't include the entirety that transpired and lacks the full context. A photo of a letter written on the stationery of, of Durham's legal practice posted by one of those people seems to back that up. So, you know, I've, I've had people reach out in my DMs. Uh, a man from Buddha Bait Company down there in that area says he's being sued for defamation by Joe for getting involved in this. And, uh, you know, uh, BassFan.com actually posted a link to the video. I've not shared the video. I'm not going to share the video, but uh, a lot of people ask me for it. I, you know, I don't, uh, I'm not going to share that, that obscenity, you know, on Facebook and whatnot. But, uh, and I got a mouth like a sailor. But, uh, but anyways, Enough of that. Enough of that. You set him up, Joe, and fed him right to the wolves. He is like my family. Well, buddy, I tell you what. When my family members act like you do, I don't talk to them at Thanksgiving. And I hope Tucker ain't got you a Christmas present. That's for damn sure. So, uh, another thing I will throw in there on this deal. A lot of people reached out. So, Mercer and I did a podcast for, for a minute there. And, uh... You know, and it ended badly. I don't have anything bad to say about about Dave Mercer. We're two years into this, I'm an adult. He's an adult. I haven't talked to Dave. I don't talk to Dave. I don't know what Dave's got going on in life. I wish Dave well. Uh, but I had so many people come up to me like, dude, Mercer was fishing with this guy and was talking about him on his podcast that he was a great guy. 
Dave didn't know this. This Dave didn't know this was going to happen. Okay, Dave didn't know, and they're like, Dave and Davey were talking about what a great dude, and uh, during the Seminole broadcast, I didn't see it. I don't know, but that was, uh, you know, before all this, I guess. I think timing of it wise, yeah, I think it was. And uh, look, man, Mercer didn't know this guy was a, a, a psychopath. I'm sure he was on his best behavior. I mean, he didn't know that, that that this dude would do anything to protect Tucker. <laughs> I mean, he didn't know that. Uh, so, yeah. Now, I'm sure Dave's like, oh, damn. I can't imagine being in that situation. I've been in it a couple times with one of your one, one of your buddies, and, and him. I don't think they'd ever really probably had any interactions till this. Um, you know, people have sent me, man, Davey Height still got pictures with this guy up. Okay. Maybe he, maybe Davey's his boy. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know Davey that well. I like Davey. I don't know Davey that well. But uh, I'm sure that was tricky for Bass <laughs> through all this. But, uh, you know, look, man, I, outside of Lake Eufaula and outside of the courtroom, the dude may be someone swell. I just know I'll never, ever, ever, ever find out because I don't want to. I've got friends, Joe. Stop sending me friend requests. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Lord have mercy. Want to be a pro? Better call Joe. All right. Now on to some positivity. I just got to address it, man, because it's just been so freaking stupid. God. And then he just latched on to me because I was one of the only people with a fishing podcast to talk about it this week. And I've talked to other podcast hosts about it. They, they didn't want to talk about it necessarily until it was official and all that. I get it. I don't have any ties like that to the industry necessarily. Like, yeah, I got industry. I'm, I'm, I'm listen. I'm, I am fully comfortable. I don't care. I don't care. I, I have I just like we cover up the things we should cover, as JT Kenny said on this very show. And I'm going to talk about it. I am, man. Especially when it's something so blatantly just ignorant as this. So here we are. All right. And I've had a lot of people like, dude, thank you for speaking out. Like opens anglers and different things. Yeah, it needs to be said. It doesn't need to be swept under the rug. It doesn't. I'm sorry. And if if you're out there and you're like, man, Tucker Smith doesn't deserve a black eye. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And uh, if Joe wants to be disappointed in somebody, he can be uh, disappointed in his little buddy Tucker. And uh, he should be disappointed in himself for bringing this all here. I think Tucker's a great young angler. I think Tucker's a nice kid. Uh, I think this situation is 1,000% shady, and I think if it wasn't, he would not have been disqualified, period. End of story. All right, moving on. Well, Miss Redcrest, missed it, missed talking to the winner on here, the, the timing of it with all the going on I had I had going there, but I wanted to give a big shout-out to Brian Thrift, man. I, I am a Thrift fan, uh, consider the dude a friend. I've known him many years. Very, very good dude, and obviously a Lake Norman absolute stone-cold killer. I enjoyed the hell out of Redcrest watching it go down. It was intense. Alton Jones Jr., man, I was really pulling for AJ, though. It's kind of like David versus Goliath when it comes to thrift uh, and and AJ there. But uh, great event. Dakota Ebear had another great event there. Edwin Evers had a big one there. But uh, it was fun to watch, man, swim baiting and, and uh, just a good tournament. And, I, and Norman's a great playing field for that that kind of event. They announced they're coming to Birmingham to Lay Lake, which is going to be very fun. 
to watch. And then they're coming to Huntsville, right, not too far from home, but they're going to fish out on Gunnersville. So 2024-2025 red crests have already been announced. Those are going to be good ones, like April, I think, for Gunnersville. That's going to be going to be a lot of catching going on for there. But three of 300 grand of the good after that. And, uh, you know, he won the very last Forest Wood Cup. Rest in peace, the Forest Wood Cup. And now he's won red crest. Two big old trophies on the wall for Thrifty, and he is uh, he's one of the best to ever do it, man. That's all you can say about the guy. He's one of the best to ever do it, but congrats to him. And, man, I did – I love seeing Matt Lee in the mix on the top ten, had a had a chance there, and uh, Matt's such a good dude, and I would love to see him get one of those daggum BPT trophies this year for sure. All right, MPFL. Thanks to every single one of you out there that watched us on live this past week. Myself, Fat Cat Newton, appreciate y'all. A lot of good feedback and pulled it off again. Another event. Year three's kicked off. Only 76 anglers fishing with us. They gave away $100,000. Brandon Perkins from Counts, Tennessee. I've had him on the show. Won in our inaugural season there, 2021. He wins again. He wins 100 grand. He caught bookend 24-pound bags. To, to win, you know, 66 pounds. I think he won by 13 pounds. It was a very, very, very stingy pickwick. Like, the home pond was was stressful on those cats. But uh, it was fun watching it go down. It was like watching paint dry, too, at times because the fishing was just a grind. You would get these little flurries in the morning where most of the weight would get caught, and then it was just like, you know, nickel and diamond after that. But um, congrats to my boy Dustin Wilkie. Dustin joining us this year. I think he got out of there with like a 12th place. We had a young man, Hayden Hammond, a 17-year-old fishing with us this year. He had a great event there. Got a check. Very fun to watch. Timmy Reams, who if you watch us at all, is one of our names. He's like a Keith Carson, Bryant Smith from last year that that is, uh, he finished second, comes back, catches 24 pounds the last day, ends up finishing the event in second. He almost won the Progressive AOI last year. I'm telling you, if you haven't watched us at all, these dudes, I think the field this year is smaller but stouter. We've got John Cox, Patrick Walters, who both, and I think this speaks to the legitimacy of what we're doing, they both skipped the first day of official Bassmaster Classic practice to fish Pickwick, to fish the final day. And Patrick got a check. I think he finished – I forget where he finished, actually. Patrick was in the top 20. Top 20 got paid. And uh, let's pull it up. Let's look at it. But John Cox had a rough, rough, rough event until the last day he catches 20 pounds, vaults himself up, and I think he finished like 16th or something. Let's pull it up here real fast. But John Cox, Florida's John Cox. Got another John Cox fishes with us from Georgia. has been with us from year one. Yeah, John ended up 17th. Cox ended up 17th. Dustin Wilkie, 11th. Todd Goad with the top 10. Luis Fernandez. Patrick Walters actually top 10 it. Yeah, top 10 it. Caught almost 17 last day, sixth place. Timmy Kales finishing fourth. Mike Corbishley, hell of an event. Made a big comeback, finished third. Awesome event, though, all the way around, man. Quentin Capo got got paid up down there. Lindale Martin, Daryl Robertson, some just fishing veterans fishing with us, like Forcewood Cup champ Daryl Robertson, Lindale Martin, Bassmaster, and FLW veteran. Fun, fun, fun event over there at Pickwick. It's going to be a fun year, man. we got Wright Patman coming up in April. But the guy we're going to talk to today, normally I get the winners from the MPFL, but I had I had Perkins. We had a timing, a scheduling issue between uh, myself and, and Brandon. We couldn't get it knocked out. And I thought, you know what? There's a young man that I feel like deserves a lot of credit in the fishing world. And he's been around. I say young, man. He, he is young. He's in his 20s. 
we'll get his exact age, I forget, but he started this at like 16, 17 from Grove, Oklahoma. He's won over $300,000 in his career, his young career. Was not going to come back this year. Said, I can't afford it. I'm out. I'm not going to do it. He's a kid that I've watched narrowly miss winning at Grand Lake. I've, I've watched him narrowly miss winning a, a Lake Seminole FLW Tour a few years ago. Absolute fish catcher. Great dude. Great representative of the sport. Great teacher when he gets on live. And this week, we had 11 on day one. They could lock through to Wilson Lake. And this is one of the reasons I want to have him on. They could lock through to Wilson Lake. And this young man... Locked through with with ten other anglers, eleven of them. He there were like six of them that caught bags over eighteen pounds. So when you're looking through our weights, keep this in mind for this week because it really set the tone. They were locked out. They had a guaranteed time to come back through at two p.m. They got there and the lockmaster said, "Up, oh, unscheduled maintenance. You guys aren't getting back through." Gary Atkins, our progressive angler of the year, reigning progressive angler of the year, threw back twenty pounds up there. Both he and Sheldon zero the first day. To start your season, Sheldon was not going to come back. And I saw him make a post, man. He wrote on his hand, PMA, which is what Swindle always says, positive mental attitude. And on day, on day two, and I text him, man, I'm sorry that happened to you. Goes back out, zeroes the first day, catches 16-6 the second day, 18-13 the final day to end up finishing 20th and getting the last paycheck. Boys, now we don't have a cut in MPFL. Everybody gets to fish, which is awesome comes back and gets a check. I think that's phenomenal. Gary Atkins comes back and finishes 13th in the event after zeroing, 2010 on day two, 18-12 on day three. That's impressive. That is impressive. That is that is one of the coolest storylines I've seen in a big event in a very long time, to zero. Have your weight, not because you didn't catch them. Sheldon had over 18 the first day, I believe, and, and Gary had 20 on his scales and had to throw them back. Had a seven-pounder, would have won big bass. Crazy. But we're going to talk, we're going to get the sauce from Sheldon Collings right now. Well, all right, as promised, here he is. I, I shouldn't even call him a young gun anymore because he's a veteran in the sport, in my opinion, but Oklahoma's Sheldon Collins from his driveway. He drove all the way back from Pickwick. He's already back home. Buddy, thank you for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me, Luke. I'm, I'm excited to talk about what went down, what went down this week at Lake Pickwick. Dude, I, I just I, I talked about it a little bit before I brought you on in my intro. To me, and I said this to Fat Cat, one of the coolest stories in professional bass fishing in a long time to me. You guys were locked out day one mm-hmm. out of Wilson, and we'll we'll get there. But just let's just talk about the stat line part of it. But zero first day of your year, mm-hmm. you were on the edge about even coming back and fishing. You and I talked about it. You made some posts. Hey, I don't know where the future's headed with me and professional fishing and professional yep. fishing needs you, by the way, we need you. Like I, I'm not just MPFL, like you are a bright shining spot in the sport. You know how I feel about that. But, and I heard, man, he might not come back. And then you do. And then the first day that happens, the fat cat and I were at the, at the studio, mm-hmm. like, man, I, I just like, I feel so bad, but dude, PMA on your hand going out day two. Yep. Rally back 16 pounds, then 18, mm-hmm. get the last, place, last check, dude. Like, yeah, <laughs> how did that feel this morning? Oh, <laughs> uh, it was like whenever everything happened and I couldn't weigh my fish the first day, I have never felt so heartbroken sick in my life because I, I was 
under the full understanding that I could have won this tournament. Now, if I would have went to Wilson every day, I think I could have caught 20 plus a day. And that's why I went there the first day. I mean, I felt like I could have stayed in Pickwick and caught 15 to 17 pounds, but I felt like to win, I needed to catch 20 plus a day. Well, I just jumped off a big one the first day that would have put me over 20, but things happen. And I'm glad that I caught what I did the next two days. So you had on your scales, what, right at 18, the first day, something like that. So I'm almost positive. My day one weights on my scales were the same as the third day weights. It was like 1770 something. And I ended up with 1813 the last day. So it was, it was over 18. It was somewhere between 18 and 19, but it, yeah, it was, it was heartbreaking. It was well, terrible. There were 11 of you guys that went up there and that happened when we were there in the tour in 2016, I believe I stayed on Pickwick, yep. my home lake. That's might as well be my backyard. I've probably mm-hmm. spent more days on that lake than any lake in the world. It's where I caught my first bass. I mean, I've got a lot of memories right. and I've been locked out a couple of times in team tournaments. I know that feeling. And mm-hmm. I go the first day of the FLW, of course, I sucked on Pickwick, the one Buddy Gross won, and there were like yeah. dudes that got locked out. And that Ooh. event, <laughs> and it, it changed the whole complexion of the event just like this did because, yeah, you guys came back, but without <laughs> that first day wait, it changed the check cut line, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah it, it, did. it changed the whole top 10 going into day two because there were you, Gary Atkins, had – uh estimated like 20 there were several guys that called him up there right i think oh yeah mitch webb mitchell webb had a bag up mm-hmm. there. i i think everybody that went had over 13 or 14 pounds if i'm not mistaken because everyone i talked to i was like what do you got i said i got about 14 then lane olson he had about the same that i did he had over 18 all small mouth and then i think gary had well over 20 because he told me at the tackle shop the next day that he had a seven and a half pound large mouth and like a six pound small mouth. And, and then he had all, said. yeah. Then he had like all three and a half pounders to go with it. I was like, dude, you had like 25 pounds. He said, I had a lot. <laughs> and had to throw so, the lock. How is yep. that? You you told us a little bit on the, the weigh-in show that we do fat cat and I, but you said you, you guys had a guaranteed time. Hey, get back at two. I'm going to get you back. You rolled up a little early and you decided to fish <clears throat> out a few minutes. Yep. And then mm-hmm. you said, you look up and everybody's just kind of, hanging around yeah. in the lock and you're like, this ain't good. Yep. So I kept in cut or so the whole, the whole reason behind me going to lock was I had a great practice in there the night before day one of the tournament, I called the lock master and I just made sure like, Hey, are we going to build a lock tomorrow and get back? Cause that's just something you have to do to ease your mind, to make sure you're making the right decision. Uh, whenever you do decide to go lock, and they said, yeah, we'll let you through at 7.15, and then we'll discuss a time to come back whenever everyone's in the lock. All right, well, long story short, after some discussions with the lockmaster, 2 p.m. was the time that the doors were going to open, and like 2.10 is when the locks were going to close back and let us both go back down into Pickwick. So I roll up at like 1.30, and there's four boats sitting there and I thought oh well they must have caught them too I mean they're back early so I just go over to the next bank the closest bank to me and I start fishing and heck I catch a couple couple keepers just going down the bank throwing a jerk bait and I look down at the clock and it's two o'clock 
and now everybody is sitting at the lock. All 10 boats are sitting there waiting. And I was like, ah, maybe they're just running a little bit late. So I fish around the corner and I go back into a pocket and I, I looked down, it was 2.15. I thought, ooh, I better, I better get going before I miss this lock. And I turn the corner and the gates are still shut and everybody is still floating around out there. And I knew that it was not good. Like whenever I turned the corner and seen that, it was like someone shot my puppy dog. and It was the worst feeling ever. I thought we ain't going back. And sure enough, as soon as I pulled into all the boats, they said, well, hopefully you didn't catch anything. I was like, why? Well, they're doing an unscheduled survey and they won't have the lock open for a couple more hours. Oh and right, like it was everything I had not to just start crying. Cause it was, like I said before, I had, I was under the under, like, oh, I was convinced I was in a win pick the Pickwick event, like maybe not blow it out of the water, but I felt like I could have competed with Brandon Perkins every single day from what practice I had at Lake Wilson. Well, Wilson had been fishing really good, and and I know Fat yeah. talked to you. He told me he goes, dude, Sheldon. We were texting going into day one. He's like, Sheldon is as confident as I've ever seen him, man. He's really looking forward to this one. And you know what's yep. what's interesting for me though. Think about this, and and we can um, woulda, coulda, shoulda to death, right? Yep, exactly. Gary mm-hmm. Atkins makes a comeback. He ends up like thirteenth or something. He yeah. just pick quick the last two days like you do. He catches 20 pounds and 18 down there. And I'm yeah. like, we're like, well, see, yeah. after day one weight from Wilson, this would have been oh, yeah. a ball game. I'm like, but would they have stayed mm-hmm. on Pickwick and how would it have gone on Will? Like you never see, know. Yeah. So That's, crazy I, how it worked I, out. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Like maybe this all happened for a reason. Like maybe we all would have busted them the first day and then maybe the next day we all would have got locked out. Like you just, you never know. So everything happens for a reason. And I feel like it happened to me personally, because I just feel like this, I know it sounds crazy, but maybe this needed to happen to make me a better angler. Because like I made a post on Facebook after all this happened, I've been working on the positive mental attitude for a long time. And I promise you, Luke, if this would have happened last year, I would have snapped every single rod that I owned at the lock and threw everything in the lake, done, put it on the trailer and went home. But I just got to thinking on the way home that maybe it happened for a reason. Like now I know that positive mental attitude is a thing. And I think it's going to make me a better angler for the rest of the season and years to come. Let's talk about that because <laughs> like early in your career, when did you start? How old were you when you started the FLW tour? You were young, young pup. I think, I think I was 18 when yeah. I fished the tour the first year. Yep. And, and you're like me, you run a little hot at times. You can run a little. Oh, yeah. And I think when you were <laughs> yeah. younger, you, you younger, you were, you would wear your heart on your sleeve a lot more. I do feel like that. Yep. Having mm-hmm. to get, getting to know you better in the last few years through MPFL you've matured and, and that happens in life, right? As you go along. And yep. I feel like your, your fishing's gotten a lot better. You were great then, but yeah. I think you're more consistent now. The, the yep. highs and lows are a little more even in the standings, right? I, I was looking before you came on. I mean, dude, you're talking four top tens with us over three seasons, a couple that weren't top tens being like 11th and 12th and 13th right there. Yeah. You mm-hmm. have one in the first two seasons, not counting this check, $122,000 with the NBA yeah. in two years, but out of those four top tens, two 
barely second place finishes once to Patrick Walters two last year, dude. I mean, mm-hmm. so, but you've had, what was it? Winnebago, you had fish die. You had, you had a fish care yep. deal going on mm-hmm. that, that cost you a top 10 there. There's been Grand Lake. We're just giving you the trophy, man. And then Taylor Watkins yeah. winning. You've had adversity. Mm-hmm. And I think it speaks volumes to where you are right now, not only as an angler, but a person <laughs> overcome a zero day one. You want to get the season started right a championship in the wings this year. We're picking you to win angler of the year. Like we always do. And mm-hmm. then it just crashes on day one. And I'm like, yep. we're going to find out what Sheldon's made of. And dude, so great. And I, and for me, I got all choked up your dad. We got to see it during the mm-hmm. way your dad calls and out big Al's like, well, answer it. Yeah. <laughs> he says, you've been to the BFL all American son. You've done <clears throat> so many things. You almost won an FLW. You're great on tour but I've never been more proud of you and your fishing than I am right now over these two days. And I was like, hell, I'm proud of him. Like I would, <laughs> yeah, cause dude, that is, I don't think in tournament fishermen, which are a lot of the, the low lifers that listen to this, they understand that dude, it is not easy to bounce back from a bad day in a multi-day turn. It's just not. Oh no. Mm, no. And do have it be just that much worse where, you did. You didn't go out and not catch them. You did your damn job. You just couldn't exactly. get them back to the tank. That part of it is yep. like what? Because there was some limbo on whether or not you were going to come back. So I know you had to be going through that. Like, oh my god, here we go again. So to come mm-hmm. back, yeah, we're not interviewing Brandon Perkins this week. I love, I love Perkins. He won. Mm-hmm. Man, that finished twentieth is is a story to me. And uh, dude, it's just it's awesome having you back. And I so. And I know we we tried to talk about this a little bit on the way in show. Uh, you've got this new deal and you got the hat on. I know you can't talk too much about it, but there's something cool going on. <laughs> Travis Jewell, who's another MPFL angler, you made a mm-hmm. post week before Pickwick sponsorless. And my wife asked, actually asked me last night. She goes, "So is Sheldon? Is is that just kind of is that like Ricky Bobby with the cougar and the meat? <laughs> yeah. She's like, did he just do that?" <laughs> And she's like, because it looks awesome. Like it stands out. I said, no, it's a company. It's a, it's a thing that's coming. Can you tease it a little bit to low lifers? What sponsor list is going to be? So sponsorless is a web-based business and it is going to be, I can't go into big details on it yet, but (laughs) you'll lose your sponsorless sponsor before. the. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the best way to put it, we're going to build an angler website and he's going to profit money off of that website without okay. having to go and beg people for sponsors. So instead of saying, uh, so instead, so how it all came about was I made a post on Facebook before I got to sign up for the NPFL and I said, getting sponsors is so hard to do. It's ridiculous. Uh, you just, you just can't do it anymore because there's so many pro staffer guys out there that are doing twice as much work for a 5% discount. And they're not, they're not cutting people 15, $20,000 checks. Now people think, oh, well, it's easy to go get a thousand dollar check here and a $2,000 check there. Yeah, it is. But I'm talking a $35,000, $50,000 sponsorship, title title sponsorship. Yep. It's one of the hardest things to do. And I made that post on Facebook and it was four days later, Travis Jewell sent me a message. 
he said, Sheldon, give me a call. I have an idea for you to fish this year. And it was a three hour phone call. He put everything on the table, told me what it was about. And I thought, dude, this is awesome. Like, I think this is going to be one of the greatest things that has ever happened to the fishing industry. You don't, I'll put it this way. It doesn't matter if you're Kevin Van Dam, if you're Brandon Perkins, or if you're a guy that fishes buddy tournaments every other weekend on Grand Lake, you can use this website to your advantage and make money on it. So, so well, I think I, I like, I have a lot of, you know, you've listened mm-hmm. to the show. You know, I have a lot of people on here. I have a lot of the biggest names in the sport. The jerseys look good, right? The truck and boat wraps. Yep. For a guy like you that is a fish catcher, that deserves, look, you deserve sponsorship that that other people have. And I know you would never say that, so I'll say it for you. I, and, and I know that's where the frustration comes from. And I hear this from a lot of young anglers. They come to me, how do you do this? How do you make this work? How do I get there? And I will say, not to be Debbie Downer, but we are in a time in the industry. I've worked in it for almost 20 years. I've chased yep. professional bass fishing, quote, dream since I was 12. I've seen it change. I've seen it change with veteran friends of mine that have made a fantastic living through sponsors to know what they live now. I've seen it where young guys that come out and set the world on fire. A Brian new, think about Brian. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He goes into the freaking elites with nothing basically on the boat. Mm -hmm. It's a damn shame. The guy's one of the best fishermen that we'll, we will ever see most likely. Like he, 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 he was before he got to that point. But, and I talked about this a little bit when I had Brian on a couple years ago, when he first started, then he wins the first elite which is yeah. just hilarious to me. I people going, oh, who's this Brian new guy? I'm like, really? People in the industry are like, mm-hmm. you keep up with what's going on? But, oh, this guy made a TikTok video, so we're going to give him, you know, 10%. Exactly. And, and it yep. is frustrating because we have, like you said, the discount pro staffers. Mm-hmm. And there are probably a lot to listen to my show, and I, I'm certainly not kicking you in the nuts. Yeah, yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with getting a discount and things like that. But what the industry has exploited are these mm-hmm. of people that will do something for nothing. And it, in a, in a day where this right here, social media, they can fill up a social media feed, feed with a, with the same post, get some more mm-hmm. bank buck instead of giving Sheldon 50 grand. And now all they have is Sheldon's social media. It's a really screwed up way of looking at it, in my opinion, but yeah. it, now it has changed. So I love that you made that post and that this idea has came from that with Travis mm-hmm. because dude, I see it. People are like, well, I don't know how I could go fish nine Bassmaster opens. Hell, I don't know either. I don't yeah. I get it. But, but mm-hmm. rolling the dice, I feel like guys like you, my friend, uh, Sam George, fishes the opens Trey swindles of the world. These young guys, they deserve to be supported because they're yeah. all in and they are the future of our industry. You guys just <clears throat> are man. And it's so it frustrates me to see that. Now, look, I, I work for a company. There are marketing budgets. There are plans that go into play. Look, I, I see it. I've been in the meetings. Yep. I understand where the decision-making comes from on it. But as an angler, it has always, and I'm less of an angler now than I've ever been as far as big tournaments, but it's, it's frustrating, man. And, and, and I was, and I've, and look, and you're speaking to a guy who's been very fortunate when it comes to sponsors. Mm-hmm. I, I, I did know a lot of folks. I had relationships and whenever I got, a little bit of a platform, I was able to do that. But I will tell you right now, 
I'm very lucky to have the ones I have still for this podcast, but it ain't easy anymore. Yep. <laughs> it ain't mm-hmm. easy. I mean, if this was 10 years ago, I, I might not be having to sell boat parts yeah. the way the industry used to be. Yeah. Now, yeah. yeah, we still had to, hey, you want to mm-hmm. see this LED light? Hey, how about a jack plate? Yeah. Uh, we got to do that <laughs> yeah. and this and, and do all the things we do to make a living around here uh, at the Duncan household for sure. But I think it is, uh, and I don't want to discourage if you're in high school and you're listening to this or college, I don't want to discourage you, but it is not. And I think Sheldon will agree with this. The streets aren't paved with gold, are they? Even if you can catch no. a pass as good as you can, sometimes mm-hmm. you don't get the attention you deserve. Yep. And it's, and it's all about social media and how you, uh, how you promote yourself on stage and how, how well you act after a bad day of fishing. Like that's how you get sponsors attention. And uh, it doesn't matter if you've got a resume that's 16 miles long with a bunch of wins. Yeah. It's going to help, but it's how you present yourself in front of people. That's how you get sponsors. But the whole deal with sponsor lists is you're partnering, you're partnering with people and you don't have to worry about the sponsor side of it. It's going to be interesting to, I'll have to have Travis on whenever the full concept comes out and it's oh like, yeah, he he's a lot more professional when it comes to talking. I just he tells me what I can and cannot say, and then I say what I can say and what I can't say. So I'm a Travis Jewell fan too. Fishes, of course, if yeah. Join us. You don't know he fishes the MPFL with us as well. He's a he's a great angler. But you know, I found it interesting this week. Uh, I was able to go. Of course, I come and take the tournament twelve hours from home, and and Pickwick's forty minutes from my house. So. uh I wasn't able to be there, but one night and I went and did a round table with fat cat Brad and we had John Cox and, uh, Patrick Walters on him and Patrick was, was joining us. And we're talking about why MPFL, you know, he fished last year. He did very well, obviously does well in the elites. He catches them basically everywhere he goes right now. Yeah. The guy's one of the, if not the best angler in the country right now, he's right mm-hmm. there. And he said, look, I know people see me on social media. Yeah. I make some posts. He said, I don't make my living through social media. I'm not a social media guy. He said, I make my living with a rod and reel. I want to fish as many tournaments as I can. And John Cox is the same way. And I feel like you're a guy that's like that as well, because you've had to be right. Yep. Like you had to be, cause nobody really jumped on the Sheldon bandwagon from that big title. But now with this, you got an opportunity and dude, your social media game, Fat Cat always says this, it's picked up steam. You do the tip yeah. stuff like your content is fantastic. And I feel like you're a very underrated teacher in the sport. Like when we get you on live, the way you break things down, it's like I'm listening to a 60-year-old Denny Brower, dude. Like it really mm-hmm. it's it's really yeah. like we always were like, are we gonna have Sheldon? Are we gonna have Sheldon? Like we always get excited <laughs> when it's coming yeah. not, not to just completely kiss your ass on this show, but, mm-hmm. yeah. but it's refreshing, man, because we do get guys that are like they yeah, don't just, see anything, and you're like, yeah, man, yeah. this frog and this area, and this is what's mm-hmm. going on. Luis Fernandez is another one that Luis will stop and be like, Look at the angle of the bill in this crankbait. Luis, <laughs> we're like, You're fishing for 100 grand, go back to casting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no joke. But it is refreshing, though, man. The guys that can teach the youth of the sport, and that's something I see on your, on your Instagram in particular all the time. is you're posting videos of what you're doing. You might blur out the background every now and then. I, you know, and I ain't oh, mad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but for you, man, speak to, I don't think people realize this year, I think 
We've only got 76. I keep saying only, but we got 76. We're proud to have all 76, obviously, or we wouldn't have gone fishing this year. That's just the oh yeah, the plain plain part of it there. This field is stouter this year with a smaller field. I think it's going to be harder to get a check. Now, I'm not yep. 50, so I don't know, but looking at the stat line, I think this is going to be the hardest year yet. I agree 100%. So, yes, we have a lot less anglers for this season, but if you go down through and look at the roster of the 76 guys that are fishing, there is a ton of talent and a ton of history in almost every single one of the 76 anglers that are fishing. Now, a couple years ago, we had well over 100, 115 or 120. I don't know the exact number, but. 118, 120. Like, yeah. So it was maybe three quarters of those, or. I'd say maybe half of those guys were really catching them every time. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be rude to anybody or Look. try to sound cocky, but that's just, it was like that. You had a bunch of guys that just wanted to be a professional angler and they paid X amount of money and then they were considered pros. And just, I mean, I don't mean to be rude again, but there was a lot of guys that shouldn't have been there, but now that there's 76 guys, I promise you, every one of the 76, they they should be there, and they're good enough to be there. Listen, thing, things tightened up, but you see it. Look, a guy like John Cox, he struggled his ass off the first two days, catches a yep. 20 bag the last day to jump up to, like, 16th. I was talking, we were texting. He was like, bro, them boys aren't playing around. <laughs> he's like, yeah. he's walking the park. He's like, he's, yeah. he said, at the end of the year, if I don't, if that's the only check I get, he's like, I'm going to beat Keith Carson up for talking me into that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like Keith, man, Keith has, so he missed, I think he missed one event last year because of a pro circuit. Yep. Mm-hmm. He has gotten a check in every single NPFL we have ever had. Every one of them yep. he's competed in until this week, until this week. Wow. And he did I not get paid. That. Yeah. He did not get paid. Wow. At every, yeah. Mm. That's a stat, right? I mean, just, wow. And still, think about that, though. Almost did not win Angler of the Year that first year. And Perkins, yeah. had Perkins not broken down on the way back, Keith wouldn't have won Angler of the Year by one point that day. Yeah. And he has to check mm. every single event he's ever competed in until this week. But he was talking, he's like, man, these guys aren't messing around this year. Um, mm-hmm. there were, there's a lot of new names. What did you think, being a young guy when you started, I don't know if you got to spend any time around him. I got to have him on camera a couple times. Hayden Hammond. 17 years old fishing with us dude comes out and gets a check event one that is <laughs> that it just reminds me of me fishing yeah. like the bfls and stuff when i was younger it's i mean to see him do that i don't know i don't know him personally i didn't get to meet him at all but just from what i've seen on social media about him i mean if he if he can go out and cut a check his first derby with the npfl he's he's going places Buddy, we camera two days straight. The young, he he was like on day three. He's listening to music in the boat. He's just had. Oh was, heck yeah! He was, <laughs> he, and I'm like, this dude is 17 years old, and this is not mm-hmm. bugging him at all. He's got a cameraman asking him questions. We're asking him questions. <clears throat> no damn's given and was catching them, mm-hmm. and has not been bass fishing that long. Like I, th- I think he's really? uh, yeah. He uh, so we interviewed his dad. And his dad said that they saltwater fished up until a couple years ago. And he kind of grew up fishing, but not bass fishing. He came to his dad's like, Hey, I want to bass fish. And his dad's like, 
I don't know anything about this. Said the kid has taught <laughs> himself everything. Wow. He's known watching YouTube and fishing. And of course, his dad supporting him, you know, giving him the platform yeah. to get out there. Really cool to see because I because I heard, hey, we got a 17-year-old coming. You're like, all right. And then mm-hmm. first day, there he is, like sixth place. You're like, okay. Yeah. Going into the last <laughs> yeah. fifth place. You're like, all right, go get yours, young man. I think he ended up he uh he slipped a little last day, but still. Got a paycheck, top 20, and that group of killers. It's going, uh, yeah. it's going to be interesting to watch. So something that I noticed that I, I think I forgot about, and I don't do a lot of research on Low Budget Live because uh, I'm a redneck idiot, uh, but I was looking at this. We go to Wright Patman next, and uh, you know a guy that finished third there. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So – we caught lightning in a bottle when we went there last. I know we did. I mean, it was as good. That was as good. Of, and unfortunately, we were right on top of bass being at Lake Fork with live coverage. Yep. What we did that week, I mean, dude, it was one of the most incredible tournaments I've ever witnessed. And I've kept up with this crap for a long time. Three mm-hmm. pounds average to every fish that was weighed in was over a three pound average. Like it yep. was dumb to take over 15 pounds a day to get a check in a full field that fishes <clears> days. Like, dude, that is everybody's catching them all gas no breaks what will it be like this year have you been back since 2021 and checked that place out so i've only been one time but i will say it was the greatest week of fishing in my life you would get not exaggerating you would probably catch 20 to 25 bass a day and it was all super shallow flipping stick and I thought after practice, I was like, man, everyone's been jerking on them all week. I'm afraid by the end of this event, it's going to be tough on the last day. And it just got better and better and better and better. So right, Patman and Texarkana, hands down my favorite lake of all time. But after being there once and going back this year, I don't know how much that place fluctuates, but I will say that it's probably one of the ones that I'm most looking forward to other than Lake Lanier. I'm really looking forward to going to Lake Lanier, but right Patman, it's more of an Oklahoma guy style of fish. And you put a flipping stick in your hand and you just put the trolling motor on high and just go fishing. We had high water that event. I mean, we had a lot of things go our way, but I still, I've heard uh, somebody was saying on, on the way and in show that the rumor is there's like, it's been taken, it's only gotten better and it's been taken like 25 to 30 to win a lot of local events there since we oh, were. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think in Texas, obviously you, you fish in Texas a lot. They do a great job of their fisheries and that one's no exception there. Uh, mm-hmm. 70, think about this though. It was round Robin when we were there with over a hundred and everybody's beating See, up. The yeah. We only got <laughs> 76 this year, buddy. Yeah. I bet like it would not surprise me if it takes 18 plus a day just to get paid and and i mean we're only we're only paying 20 spots too so it might take almost 20 a day to get paid i'm that's i need to go back and see what that would have been in 2021 you know what i mean i need to see what would have been at 20th because it was up there it was it was it was way up there and it was like i said i thought it was going to get tougher every day and it just got better and the crazy thing about it was everyone was I'll say 98% of the guys were fishing in one part of the lake yeah. and you just pull in behind someone and start fishing 
and they could have been flipping a Cinco and you could have been flipping a brush hog and you caught a five pounder and he caught a four and a half pounder five minutes before you out of the same bush. It was just like, but at the same time though, I think a reason why it was so good is because the water was so far up in practice and then they started pulling it down. So I think every single day there was more fish coming to the outside outside line of bushes instead of fish coming up from the main lake to them it was pulling them out off the bank to where we could actually get to them because the first day you, there was places where you couldn't get a bait to where you knew there was fish back there you could see them blowing up back there in the trees and in the bushes but I think come the last day all of those fish were already pulled all the way out to the outside line of bushes and it was like I said, you'd go in behind four boats and just get in line and you'd start catching four pounders right behind them. It's place is incredible. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll speak to a little bit about Lanier. Like why are you excited about that? Mr. Livescope. <laughs> <laughs> so that's exactly why I'm, why I'm excited about Lanier. And another reason is that was the first tournament that I ever did well in, in my FLW tour. Yeah, 2019. Yeah, 2019. I think I weighed in 18 or 19 pounds of straight spotted bass. Yeah. And I was catching them the old school live scoping way. I was 2D in them on a drop shot in like 60 foot of water. So now having live scope, oh, it's it's going to be twice as fun. And uh, Sean, the tournament director, told me that it's fishing better now than it has been in a long time. So he told me that and I was like, all right, well, we can just fast forward to that event tomorrow. If, if we can, I don't care about the rest of the season. That was actually so. 2018. I, I was in that mm -hmm. one as well. And it was like, like that's always going to like, you're talking about, right. Patman's one of your favorite fishing weeks. Yeah. Always be one of my favorite fishing weeks. I stumbled mm -hmm. that day one that had almost 17 pounds of spots second day and jumped way up there. But dude, every day in practice, I had multiple spots. Running oh yeah. Pattern over full. Like it was, the mm -hmm. craziest week of my, michael brewer who fishes mpfl was my co-angler yep. back then and he called his dad on the off days like luke's fixing to win this son bitch myself <laughs> dude i was fishing so many big ones he's like it's happening i'm gonna win and i'm like yeah i'm gonna win and then the first time 12 and a half i never caught a three yeah. all day and i'm like Wah! and then i catch two yep. first stop the second morning i'm like all right oh like Man. four and a half and, a, and one right at five, my first stop the second morning. I'm like, okay, this is how it was supposed to go. But yeah. the mm. fall can be a little tricky, but dude, you're right. It's 20 to 23, 24 every week down there right now. Seems like mm -hmm. it's amazing what's going on. Yep. Yeah. I, anytime you can go to a place that, so most tournaments, they're all predominantly largemouth fisheries. Unless you go up north, it's all smallmouth. Where Pickwick, there was a bunch of big bags of small smallmouth weighed in. But when you go to a place where it's like, okay, we're going to catch spotted bass, it's just something different. Like I'm from Oklahoma here on Grand Lake, and we don't get to go catch three to five pound spotted bass all the time. And the first, my, my PB spotted bass was out of Lanier in practice, and it was a 6-2 on my scale. So like... It, it changed my whole life going down there and catching those giant spots, but it's just something different that, that I like to do. I like to fish deep. I like to fish clear water, put a spinning rod in my hand and now having live scope, I think it's just going to be that much easier on people. Now you definitely don't, uh, don't shy away from spinning tackle, man. You're a big bass guy. 
post a lot of <laughs> big swimmers. You like that kind of stuff, but you're certainly not afraid to finesse your whole career. Seems like if you got to pick up a spinning rod, mm-hmm. you're not afraid to do it at all. It's always cool to watch because you're, yeah. you're well, I think that's your, your age group of anglers. That's the most uh, understated thing. I, I think people don't realize that you guys aren't necessarily just dialed on one thing. You're not afraid to yep. go flip. You're not afraid to go throw a Ned rig, mm-hmm. afraid to live scope. And it's, it, I think it's why it's becoming increasingly harder to compete a lot of yeah. times higher level with the influx of younger anglers. Cause man, you guys mm-hmm. are back in the day. It was like, Oh, Denny Breyer's a jig guy. Kevin Van Dam's yep. a center bait guy, you know, and now it's like, you've got to be everything mm-hmm. to really, to really do well consistently. And you're certainly one of those guys, any other Lake other than Lanier and Wright Patman. I mean, that's uh, we got Pickwick behind us, but Saginaw's, you struggled a little bit there though. Oh man. Yeah. Don't, don't get me started on that one, man. That was a heartbreak of a week for me. I think that was one of my worst finishes other than you fall up the first year of the NPFL that I had, but I totally missed, missed the memo on the largemouth gig. I got there and it was stupid. I went with the mindset that I'm going to go catch smallmouth and I'm focusing on smallmouth the whole week. And that's what I did for three full days is I went smallmouth fishing and I never found anything. Not, I don't think I caught one all week long. I even drove to almost, or, uh, I don't even know what you call it. Uh, something, uh, I think Patrick ran it. Thunder Bay. Yeah. Yeah. I drove four hours by truck one morning, the last day of practice, the Thunder Bay. And (laughs) I, I was just going to get myself around smallmouth somewhere and i never caught anything and i when i seen the weights the first day i thought oh my gosh i messed up big time so now i know that but see we're going at a different time so it could be a smallmouth deal which gary atkins wanted on smallmouth but it could be a smallmouth tournament this time around because we hit it i think there was still a couple of them on beds that i knew about that people caught I think they were just in that weird funk where they're transitioning yeah. from spawning to post-spawn. So, but the, the largemouth did really well, and I just missed the memo on that. So that, that place is something. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be fun to watch, buddy. Well, yeah. are you you going to come hang out at the classic? Or are you you doing Oklahoma things this week? So I probably won't come to the classic, unfortunately. Uh, I have some live scope trips that I have set up the next coming couple of weeks. And then I got to get back to work with my dad now that I'm home. So I'm with it. <laughs> Working man, yeah. I love it, man. It's, uh, it's refreshing to see, dude, you got a great outlook. It's going to be a hell of a year for you. And I'm going to get in on those live scope trips with you on some of those sneaky swim bait lakes you got. I want, I want, a, I want a dose of that with, with Mr. Come on. <laughs> Appreciate you coming on, dude. You're the best. Thank no you. problem, man. Thanks for having me. Ladies and gentlemen, Sheldon Collings. Make sure you're following Sheldon on social media. I don't think he has an OnlyFans. He might. He might. <laughs> nope, I don't. <laughs> Go check him out. Nope. <laughs> well, all right. That's all she wrote for Sheldon Collings, MPFL Pro, former FLW Tour Pro. Young man's got it going on. And, it, man, it, it does frustrate me to hear the struggle that people go through in the sponsor game it's uh especially when they're they're they deserve better than that because they are certainly uh they carry themselves well on and off the water and sheldon is a guy that he's matured a lot over the years in his angling 
and his outlook on life. And uh, I think that that young man's going to do big things in the sport of bass fishing before it is all said and done. So appreciate him coming on. Appreciate y'all, each and every one of y'all tuning in. Looking forward to seeing y'all at the Classic. I apologize. So I went back and looked. Uh, I recorded the intro to this. And before I had Sheldon on, and I'm recording this after I've talked to Sheldon this morning, and something happened with the video clip there, as y'all saw, but appreciate y'all hanging uh, hanging in there, at the pre-Sheldon video clip, and I appreciate y'all. Not sure, man, this, uh, this new camera of mine, I'm not a cameraman, y'all know that. I'm a one-man band here at Low Budget Live, but uh, we'll get it all sorted out eventually, that's for damn sure. Can't wait to see y'all on good old Rocky Top. Gonna take y'all out with some Biloxi blues because that's what we do each and every week written by me sang by me and sung by so many of y'all that seem to enjoy that crazy song and we're gonna sing it together at the hill bar and grill saturday night march 25th see y'all on good old rocky top thank y'all see you. It happens every night And I ain't never met a riverboat dealer That could ever be a friend of mine The summer heat never treats me kind It leaves trouble on my mind So I'm bidding farewell Putting in my notice And I'll see you at another time